Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and our producer, Lindsay, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today. And today, again, which I think he holds a record now for being on our podcast the most, we welcome a very special person. Uh, Dr. Shane Needham, and as you can tell by looking on video, he is obviously my twin brother, um, although I have been told I'm, I'm better looking. <laughs> I've been told the same too. So. <laughs> I'm sure both of you have. <laughs> and I'm definitely smarter. I've been told that a lot. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, Shane, I, I welcome you back to our show. Today, we're going to be talking about protein. Shane being a bodybuilder and um, powerlifter, he knows all about protein and just diets in general. We've discussed it a lot on this podcast. So how much protein do we need? Can you get too much? Um, can too much cause side effects? Does it make you gain weight if you, gain, if you eat too much protein? We're going to find those things out today. What's the difference of supplementing with protein and eating real food for protein? All those questions will be answered today. So uh, stay till the very end because you don't want to miss out. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of good things about protein, everything protein. And if you have questions, please, about protein. I know this is a very, very popular topic when it comes to paleo diets, keto diets, any diet. We talk about protein and quality protein. So if you have questions, please put them in the comments and we will try to get to your questions. Uh, go ahead and we are streaming live on Facebook. So go ahead and put them in the Facebook comments. Or if you want to call in, you want to chat with us, that would be super 509-537-0411. We'd appreciate the call. So Shane, without any further ado, welcome back to our podcast. Hey, thanks. It's a pleasure. And thanks as always for inviting me on your podcast. And I, I, I do love the topic today about protein and how much can we eat? When can we eat it? All those kind of things. And should we get it from real food? I, I don't know what to expect from the questions, but I certainly hope that I can help and inspire and educate some people at the, along the way. Okay. So let's just start with the basics. All right. So on average for the average person, how much protein do they need? So in theory, now this is before you freak out and do this calculation, it's actually pretty easy to do if you eat, let's see, what would I say, nutrient-dense foods, okay? And nutrient-dense foods are meats and, and eggs, for example, any type of meat. And red meat is not bad. Red meat does not cause cancer, does not cause heart attacks, does not cause um, plaque and high cholesterol. It doesn't. It doesn't cause any of that, okay? There's lots of studies that have debunked those theories from the 60s many, many times over, and I eat a lot of that. I, eat, I even eat red meat. My CAC score, my anti-inflammatory scores are very, very low. So um, what's your specific question so I can actually get a specific answer is how much should each individual eat? Is that what you're saying? Protein, right, like okay. grams so, per kilogram. Or, yeah. Right. yeah, so in theory... Um, even for the standard person, this is actually, it's difficult to do if you're not used to used to doing this, okay? Because most of you are used to opening up a bag of chips and Doritos and then get your wine and you drink like this and then you dip your hands in some Doritos and you, that's how you get your calories for the day, which are just junk calories, by the way. And who couldn't eat a whole bag of Harvey. Doritos? I, I, mean, I can. Anybody can. They're super yep. palatable. You should be getting one gram per one pound of lean body weight that you have. So let's just say that with zero fat on you, that is not possible. Um, so let's just let's just take a 200-pound person, a 200-pound male that has, let's just say, 10% um, body fat. 
that means they have 20 pounds of fat. Okay, so their lean body mass is going to be 180 pounds. That means with zero body fat, they'll weigh 180 pounds. They should be getting 180 grams of protein a day. That's what they should be getting. And so that's, a, that's what you should be getting. Now, that's even for a typical individual. You know, it's, a, it's for a typical individual that's not looking to win a bodybuilding contest or anything like that. Now, it does one of many things. It holds your lean body mass. I just had a podcast on this with Dr. Sam this morning about eating the right foods and, and increasing or improving your hormone levels and whatnot. It improves your lean body mass. Obviously, muscle is made out of amino acids or proteins, and so, and so is meat. Meat is protein and some fat, and that's it. Meat has zero carbohydrates in it in general. And so... It improves your lean body mass, so it's going to improve your energy. It's going to improve your lean body mass. It's going to improve your metabolic output. In other words, just by resting, you will actually burn more calories. And one of the things that's really good about focusing on getting that one gram per pound of body weight is if you focus on that protein first, which you should be doing. I'm not saying you shouldn't focus on fats. I'm not saying you should go zero carbohydrate either. That might be another topic. But it it make sure that you get nutrient dense foods in your body and it will take intentional effort to do that so you're going to be focusing on getting that protein every single day so in other words your diet is going to revolve around meat and eggs and that's a good thing janet do you have questions for shane so it comes back to um consumers being naive about what proteins are and Shane spelled that out a little bit but I think let's let's um, put in there what a bad protein might be because I think right now we go to the store and and there's all these protein drinks there's all these protein products like if I buy a protein bar I mean what is your take on those items yeah so on those items you should be getting your protein from real food okay um, 90% of my daily protein comes from real food now when I go to the gym Obviously, it's hard. I'm not saying it's impossible. I don't know anybody that does it, but it's possible to take liquid chicken to the gym, okay, and then drink it. So I do actually use some, for example, essential amino acids um, at the gym and even some egg protein. Whey protein for me is inflammatory. So egg pro I get whey protein from Gaspari Labs. There's a, there's a plug for them. Um, excellent, excellent protein, and it actually tastes pretty, pretty good too, and it, and it, it mixes well. Most egg proteins don't. So, but get the majority of your protein from, from quality real food. And here's the reasons why. So it's more sustainable. There is actually some research out there that actually shows that when you chew your food, all different kinds of hormonal cascades happen, including the hormonal cascade that says, oh, I'm satiated. When you do these liquid diets, let's just be honest. We've heard about these liquid diets since the 1980s. How many of them are sustainable and the people keep the weight off? I don't know of any. You can't drink a liquid diet and it be sustainable. And I think the biggest reason is it's like you never feel full. You never feel satiated. You never feel satisfied. When you cut open a big old ribeye or a ground beef patty or even a, a really you know um, nice um, chicken chicken breast or even a, a halibut steak or something, oh, it's so satisfying. And so you should be chewing that food for sure. So get the real food as much as possible and as least processed as possible. And I think that's one thing we have to remember is that 
you know, powdered protein, whey protein or egg protein or whatever, it really is a processed food. Yeah. Um, you know, a protein bar. Oh, great. You know, it's got 20 grams of protein. You got to be careful because a lot of times it has a lot of carbs too. But, and not that carbs are bad. We've talked about that. That's a discussion for another podcast. But those are processed items. Those are processed foods. Whereas, like you say, a ribeye is not. Eggs are not. You know, um, um, you know, chicken, things like that. That's real food. And there's so much more nutrients in the food than we even know about. We only know what we know and what we're looking for. We don't know we don't know. And so what there's we, things what in we, real food and that what we don't know. And what we can test for. Exactly. Right. Yeah. There are, there is some, there's some research out there to show that supplementing with collagen or bone or some type of a bone broth can actually be, I've never found one that tastes very good. It just usually doesn't can be beneficial. And I've read the research. Well, can't you just eat meat off the bone? I mean, my son who was see 14 at the time, he's like, but dad, doesn't all meat come off the bone? Yeah, he's true. He's right. So I don't know if the research is there yet. And I think that's what we have to remember with, as we talk about through this whole podcast is I am telling you big world level pragmatic solutions that work for me. Pragmatic. That means, you know, I've tested this over decades of what I can eat, what I can eat, what works for me, what doesn't work for me, what I know makes me feel well, what when I what doesn't make me feel well, what makes me maintain lean body mass, when do I lean, you know, lose lean body mass, all these things. And so you're going to have to figure that out for yourself as well as an individual. And that's whenever we're talking about nutritional science, and we're going to probably get into some pseudoscience. Well, that's what really nutritional science is. Nutritional science is pseudoscience. And the reason is this, is, is the variables change so quickly. Your gut biome changes every day. Your environmental factors change every day. And, and remember, we're not lab mice. So, so person X and person Y are so different. When you put them on the same high protein diets, they might behave totally, totally differently. And so any of this nutritional science, and we've learned that over the, over the last decade, I would say is don't be dogmatic. You know, don't tell some, for me, low carbohydrate works pretty well. I'm not zero carbs. Sometimes I am. I'm not right now, but I know the, the, the carbohydrates that I can eat and others that make me feel really awful. And so, but you don't, you can't be dogmatic even with a keto diet. It's like, oh, that's not keto. Well, it works for me. I mean, and I mean, if you're, if you have lean body mass and you're meeting all your health goals and you're an overall healthy person, do what works for you. Don't be dogmatic, be pragmatic about it. Well, that's true. And you got to find out what definitely works for you. And everybody's different depending on their activity levels. And you and I are twins, but we eat a lot different because of our exercise routine is a lot different. So our, go our goals are different, right? Our goals are much different. In fact, I'm reading a keto book right now from Dr. Annette Bosworth called Keto Continuum. Plug for her. She's awesome. Um, I've met her twice now. Janet got to meet her when we were in South Dakota. And it's interesting because you read in that book and, um, you know, she says, basically, if you eat over 200 grams of carbs a day, you are just not a healthy person. Now, I am paraphrasing. That's not exactly what she said. I'm sure if you talk to her and you find out specific information, she would probably, you know, um, you give her specific instances, she would probably, uh, you know, go into the details of that. But I routinely eat over 200 grams of carbs per day, every day. But I burn them up, too. So it, you know you ha it's got you got to find what works for you for sure.
And I'm sure a lot of that, if you think about probably the correlation there, I think in general, 200 carbohydrates, 200 grams of carbohydrates is a lot because most people are probably getting it from gummy bears and Doritos. Right. And so, and, and sure, there's lots of carbohydrates in there. There's lots of sugars. There's lots of grains. There's lots of, you know, but if you're eating 200 grams of carbs of, of brown rice and sweet potatoes, that's probably not, it's, those aren't really inflammatory foods. Whereas the rest of them can be and cause insulin spikes and blood sugar spikes and so on and so forth. So, but it is, it's, it's what are your goals and what are you trying to get out of it and what works for you to be at an ideal body weight? So talking about keto, um, you know, low fat or I'm sorry, high fat, low carb is keto basically correct? That's my understanding. Yeah. I mean, there's so many pseudo ketos and pseudo paleo now and and I don't, I don't stick with a paleo diet. I don't stick with a carnivore diet. I don't stick with a keto diet. I stick with a Shane Needham diet and it works. Right now. So can we make protein from other sources, carbohydrates and fat? No, no, you cannot. And, and you, you, you have to have some essential amino acids. I don't remember. I think there's 20 total and I don't remember how many are essential. I, I should know these things, but I don't because I can always look it up. But you you can't make that. You can't make fat and you can't make make essential fatty acids. You can't make essential proteins. You're going to have to get those from your diet. Essential. You can make some of them, right? But you can't make the essential ones. Correct. You got to get them from diet. And I, bet, I think about, am I right? Is it eight or nine of them out of the 19 or 20 are essential? And I mean, I, I actually just saw this the other day of what how they define essential and not essential. That's an interesting topic as well. It's, it's very interesting on how they qualify essential versus non-essential. Just like is Pluto a planet or is it not a planet? Well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> right, right. Well, so let's recap. Lindsay, will you look bit. that up? How many amino acids there are and how many are essential, please? Yeah, let's, let's recap this a little bit because I think for the general person listening, um, so we can, we can convert all food groups into sugar. We can't convert carbohydrates and fat into protein. And that's, I think, the main point that we're trying to impress upon people is that you need to ingest them. You need to consume them in order for that process to, to happen. But you can, you can eat fats, you can eat protein, and they do convert into sugar eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Your body can make glucose through glucogenesis. Absolutely. I think what's important is... If you're going to focus on, well, you should focus, you should focus on one macro, macronutrient. We have three of them. We have carbohydrates, fats, we have proteins. You can eat all those. Those are all things that are going to use calories that are going to cause us to have calories, calorie in- input or energy for our body. We can get that through fat. We can get it through carbohydrate. We can get it through protein. Focus on the protein because you can, you basically can get all the others if you eat too much protein. And I even eating lean proteins, I, if you eat enough of it, I'm thinking about primal people. I'm thinking about when I was in the Panamanian jungle and these people, seriously, I had friends there. We had to canoe in, in this river. It was fascinating. They only spoke Spanish and some jungle jargon and it was fascinating, but they lived off, off chicken and some plant and it obviously, and their chickens were very lean, by the way, they're out in the middle of the jungle Right. And they survive just fine. So when some people say, oh, you've got to eat fatty meat, I don't think so either. But you do have to eat enough calories from your lean meat. And that is probably, that can be difficult to do because it's so satiating. So 
Anyway, while we're on that topic, let's talk about that. So I, I know some people think that they just can't eat too much protein. Now, there's there's a couple ways we can go down this road. But they think if they just eat all protein, um, even if it's from real food, that you know it'll help them lose weight. Can you explain how – can you eat too much protein and gain weight? Sure. Yeah, I, I think it's very difficult to do if you're eating the right ones. I really do. Even if you're eating ribeyes, they're pre, they can be pretty fatty. But if you're if you're for the general person, I'm just saying, um, try it. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be very be especially if you're used to the sad diet, the standard American diet. You're used to not being that satiated with your food. So you know, if you think about, let's see. Let's just say you ate a three-pound ribeye a day. I think I just did the calculation. That's 1,200 calories. Three pounds of ribeye? You have you have a pound for, for breakfast, a pound for lunch, and a pound for dinner. You're not going to be hungry, but you probably are in a caloric deficit. Well, depends on how active you are, I suppose. So, yeah. so I, I just, uh, yes, you can eat too much, but I think in general, in general, it's because people, now, when especially people that go down the keto road, I'm not, I don't have anything wrong with keto, but I can tell you this. I don't add butter to my coffee. I don't add coconut oil to my coffee. I don't, I don't eat keto bombs, you know, with lots of fat. I don't add fat to my food. I get my fats from the food. So I don't really add extra. And when you start doing that, obviously you're going to add extra calories. So when you start adding extra calories, especially fat, when there's nine, nine calories per gram, from from fat instead of four calories per gram per protein, it's actually easy to get extra calories. So I just think it's very difficult if you're eating real food and not adding anything to it and eating real protein to, to eat too much and gain weight. Possible? Yes. Difficult? I think so. Well, I think the rabbit hole is the powdered and the bars that people think that they're – I mean, and I'm not saying it's wrong for some instances, but I think the the misnomer or the mistake people make is if you are consuming most of your proteins through a bar or a shake, I think that's where you can end up in caloric problems real fast. Yeah, it's easy to eat. And I they make those bars taste good for a reason. They're well, super it, high uh, most protein, I'm not saying I don't have it. And depending on where my goals are at for the year, like I'm not eating any of those protein bars right now. But if I'm on the road and I'm, I, you know, it's kind of off season, I, I, it just depends on what my lean body mass I want. I'll grab one at a convenience store because it's better than no protein. But right now I cook all my real food and just take it with me around everywhere I go or have, you know, zero sugar beef jerky or something like that with zero preservatives. And so, but yeah, those bars taste good. You look at them. They spike them with proteins, usually soy proteins. Those are estrogenic, but those aren't actually good either. Sometimes they do it with whey, but you look at it, it's not much difference. And it's a Snickers bar on steroids. It, it really is. I mean, when you look at it, a lot of times, it really is. Yeah, correct. And honestly, you know, so just a little tip. If you're really wanting some protein and some, you know, um, and you just need something really quick, um, you could save a lot of money instead of buying one of those $4 bars, buy a salted nut roll. I mean, because it's about the same thing. It probably is. Yeah. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit because it's true that, you know, some of them do have less 
um, carbs and, you know, some of the candy bars, but you got to be careful too. Cause like you say, they taste good. So they're e easy to overeat. The problem with peanuts are some, I mean, they're just usually inflammatory as well. And they're, I don't know historically if that's how they're processed or, or what, that's a whole different topic. That's but. a whole other topic. I think it's part of our immune system because we're not, you know, we don't have as healthy a gut and immune system as we used to. Cause look at when we were kids, how many people are allergic to peanuts? Zero, but a lot are now. Right. And now a lot are. So, you know, you got to kind of wonder probably again, it's our standard American diet. Um, you know, it, it, that's affecting our immune system. So, so, okay. We got that cleared up. So, and, and about drinking your calories, I think, you know, like Janet says, I, I know it's so easy. You know, people say, well, I, I, you know, I have a smoothie a day. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not losing weight, you know, I, I, but I have a healthy smooth, smoothie. Well, what do you put in your smoothie? Well, I put a scoop of chia seeds and you know, they're healthy. I put a scoop of whey protein. I put some bananas. I put some blueberries and I'm like, I mean, in no time. And I put some yogurt and in no time you got 600 calories in a smoothie. Oh, and I don't know 11, about you. 1100. Oh, oh, you can easily make a smoothie 1100 calories. And the only time in my opinion, you should supplement like that is if you are really in a deficit and you know, you need to recover. Um, and so that's what you do because you can really, really overdo it when it comes to drinking your calories. I know somebody, I've got a good friend that does it. He does it every day and it works for him. It wouldn't work for me. I tell him, it's like, dude, if I don't chew my food, there's no way I could be um, satisfied. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Okay. So let's get on the topic of proteins and kidney function. What do you, we, we hear about proteins, too much protein can affect your kidneys and make your kidneys go bad. Will you expand on that? Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm going to go by what the data I know and um, uh, speaking from personal experience as well and knowing that um, I'm going to try to use my words lightly here, but I'm, I'm not really good at not being polarizing. So most of the kidney function tests are based upon creatinine levels. Okay. Um, Bun, GFR, look them up, bun, GFR, and creatinine. Those are the main kidney function tests, okay? Here's the deal. If you're eating a lot of protein, and remember what normal is. I talked about this on my podcast this morning with Dr. Sam. Normal is what they have all these thousands, hundreds of thousands of numbers of people that go into the clinic, and now they normalize these numbers. They call them numbers. They call them normal. Remember, those numbers that are normal are usually sick people because those are the people that go into the clinic. I don't go into the clinic very often at all, and so so they're all based on creatinine. Creatinine is actually a byproduct, or let's call it a metabolite, or a breakdown product of creatine. Creatine you you obtain directly from eating a meat product, chicken, especially beef. It's it's in all proteins. It is it it's it's in protein, and so when you when you eat a lot of creatine, and then for example, some athletes, not just bodybuilders, supplement with creatine. Then you break it down into creatinine. Well, now you have increased creatinine levels, and so all of a sudden, your normal doctor might freak out, even though you walk in there and you have eight percent body fat. But it's like it's. I don't think it's an issue. It's certainly something you need to talk to your doctor about and go look at other data out there of there are other kidney function tests actually that are independent. Also, for you, those of you that are weightlifters, you break down your muscle mass and make creatinine as well. So the right. more 
muscle you have, the more creatinine you create. Okay. Because your muscle is constantly metabolizing and breaking down. Okay. And so for example, I'll tell you some, some anecdotal evidence levels, not personally, but of friends that I have, they'll go in and they'll have a, I don't remember the number. I remember the number and I don't remember which one it was, but it's, it's, um, I think it's a creatinine level of two and a normal is let's say 1.2. Does that sound right, Sean? That sounds right. Yep. They'll have a level of two and they're five feet, six, 200 pounds, 6% body fat bodybuilder. Okay. And all of a sudden their doctor freaks out and they're like, oh my gosh, you're going to die from kidney disease. So they're supplemented with creatine and they also obviously are training a lot. They have a lot of muscle mass. So I've seen this with several people for four weeks. They stop lifting. They stop eating high protein. They go half their protein, for example, and they stop supplementing the creatine and their numbers become normal and they don't feel any different. So did that really matter? If you don't have protein in your urine, it means you're processing all of that. Now, here's what I think has happened with thinking about kidney function. Again, there's so many things going on. I think, what you tell me this, Sean, what's the number one, per, I think I know this answer. What's the number one reason people lose their kidneys and have kidney disease? Um, diabetes. Mm-hmm. Correct. So here's I mean, what happens in my opinion. Had it out. Yeah. So I think what's happened in the past is they have these high numbers, okay? And it's probably because their kidneys are, are decreasing in function because they're spewing out glucose into through their kidneys all the time and into their urine. And so that's obviously very, very hard on the hard on the kidneys. But they've normalized these numbers. And now what they're saying, instead of fixing something else, they're saying, oh, it's high protein that does it. And you still look at a lot of blogs and some of the data online, and they say high protein diets can be bad for your kidneys. I think that could be true if you have bad kidneys. But the number one reason you're going to have bad kidneys is because you're eating too many carbohydrates. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're not right. processing them well. I, I don't, right. I, I, again, it's you treat the patient, do it individually, make sure that, you know, the first thing, question your doctor should, when you walk into his office and, and she or he looks at you and they see that you're, you're overweight, that should be their first clue that you're not healthy. But if they look at you and you're, you have an ideal body mass, you're exercising, you're eating well, you're peeing. You know, your kid, if you if you can pee, your kidneys can work. You're pulling out the other side. I mean, in general, you're healthy. But we've gone away from that. We've gone around. Now you can chase numbers. You can go and it can ask your clinic for this and this number and this number and this number. And why do you think that is? Because most people aren't paying for it themselves. Well, I do pay for it. I do pay for myself. And that's how I like it, by the way. And I think everybody should be, be have a skin in the game. But it's like I have to make a decision wait a minute, is this really an abnormal test or is this just my baseline? So I don't have an answer for what healthy kidneys are. And uh, I don't have an answer for precision medicine and the clinical numbers with creatinine, bun and GFR of what healthy is. But I know baseline wise what normal is and what can, what can affect that. So just know what can affect that. Well, I I think we kind of alluded to this a little bit when we talked about um, ketones and proteins that um, carbohydrates and sugar cause so much inflammation throughout our entire body that, you know, they're the culprit of the inflammation. And that includes the amount of fluids that somebody is putting on their body just because of that inflammation. So we're not only taxing it with not 
being able to uh, eliminate, but we are putting more fluid and more weight and, you know, the circulation. And so it's, it's just one compound after the other. So um, I think it's that big cycle that happens when somebody has been in inflammation for years and decades. And, you know, unfortunately we don't, when we look at a number, we don't look at the whole person. We look at that particular number, which we've lost in our ability to treat patients if we're being subjective, because, you know, like Sean's body weight or your body weight, if we're looking at just BMI is going to put you into the index of obese in some categories if you're just looking at the number but when you look at the physical I'm morbidly obese. Right. But <laughs> right, you know you my are. point is is that that's that's really not logical. There's no logic to that to that at all because you know you should really be looking at the inflammation of the particular person or their diet habits as to whether or not those kidney functions are appropriate or not. And and what you can do to to actually really believe it or not it might be cheaper once you get your first clinical test which can it's not really expensive to do that but everything every penny adds up but it's going to be a couple hundred bucks at least if you're cash pay it'll be thousands if you're not cash pay you know mm -hmm. so it's unfortunate but if those numbers are concerning to you or your practitioner you can actually get an ultrasound ultrasounds on your kidneys and I, I just found this out recently. You can get it for like $225 with a cash plate pay service. Now, again, you know, if you're in the racket of hospitals or local organizations or something like that, then you're going to pay thousands. But uh, if you really want to narrow down to if your kidneys look right, you can get an ultrasound for like 225 bucks. Sometimes that can keep you knowing what your baseline of your bun and your creatinine and your GFR are. And then you know your kidneys are healthy. Now you have a baseline. You have a baseline. It's like, okay, I know everything's good. This is all normal to me. That's a good point. I, getting baselines on a lot of different labs is 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 very important. So, so Lindsay did some quick research. Our producer did some quick research. Five hundred amino acids, twenty two of them essential. Okay, and yeah, um, I kind of remember the number of twenty. So that 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 makes some sense. So let's talk about. Are you prepared to talk about branch chain amino acids? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Talk about branch chain amino acids since we're on the subject of protein. Yeah. I, you know, it's something I struggle with. Um, I actually, um, during phases where I'm in a growth phase and I want to lean out and I, I want to um, maybe start prepping for a contest or something like that. I actually supplement with branch chain amino acids at the gym and they taste good. I, I don't know if I really believe in them. And the reason is, is you can get all your branch chain amino acids from real food. Or you could even get it from a protein drink. But branch chain amino acids are just the broken down level of a protein. So you have amino acids that, let's just say it's small like my fist. That's an amino acid. And that's a building block of protein. Then I take another amino acid and I put it on there. Now we've got a protein. Okay. And then I have put another amino acid on top of that. We can have many more proteins. So branch chain amino acids in theory they're already broken down and digest for you. So in theory, you can get them into your muscles quicker. Um, does seconds versus minutes really matter if you have so much protein floating around your blood because you're already in an anabolic state? I don't know. It's like a multivitamin. Do I take a multivitamin? I do. Why? Because it's a cheap insurance policy. That's why. Well, the only... Usually the instance where I would recommend branched chain amino acids, first of all, like we said, real food is the best way to get your protein. 
Um, and you could supplement with whey protein or egg protein, and you're still going to get the same branched chain amino acids in that in that full spectrum protein powder or supplement. You know, but you do get more calories. So if somebody is super calorically conscious you're, and you're. they want to increase their protein, I would recommend you know branched chain amino acids. Very good point. Very yeah, good point. Because it is a lot less calories than I would say a lot less, but sometimes a hundred calories or two hundred calories of a scoop of protein powder for somebody that only needs a thousand calories a day, that's a big deal. It is you a know? big deal. And I, I just I still thinking about the research on it and thinking about their essential and their branch chain amino acids. I get it. Um and I've seen some of the research on it, and it's, it, believe me, it's all—it's a little bit hocus pocus. Whenever you start doing muscle studies and anabolic studies and nutritional studies, and so they say they help post recovery and so on and so forth. I just—I'm trying to think of the whole picture and why they actually would, I, because you're going to have those anyway. I don't know, but again, it's like, well, if you get some vitamin C but not enough, it could be a problem, right? So. Maybe the same thing with branched chain amino acids, but in general, you're going to get it from all your food. And, and you're right, caloric, you're going to decrease your calories. Because I, I, I mean, I think I get, I can get 20 grams of branched chain amino acids with 20 grams of protein. Which is it really protein? I don't think so. And do we need all those to grow? I think so. Even the non, even the essential and non-essential ones. So is it? My point is, is it really doing anything? I don't know. Okay, but you can get that for like 20 you know, 20 grams of protein or amino acids for like 20 calories. So it can be a big deal. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Here again, um, eat real food. Totally. And, <laughs> and you'll, you'll get most all the nutrients you need. And, and supplements are meant just for that. When I talk to people about supplementation, there's a reason they're called vitamin supplements or mineral supplements or protein supplements. They're meant to supplement an already good diet. Yep. They're not meant to live day-to-day -day on. There are a lot of things that those supplements are missing that real food gives us. Yeah. So well, let's go back to collagen protein, if you don't mind. Yeah. So I, I do – that is one of the proteins I do um, uh, supplement with. And I – you know, for one thing is – it's been shown to help with muscle recovery and joint recovery and being an endurance athlete. That's something I, I care about, obviously. I think we all do. And the thing about it's not from what I understand, the reason they taste so bad is because the collagen protein th that is the important part of um, the collagen protein is actually comes from fish heads. So that's why good collagen protein tastes so bad from what I've been told. Now, is that, is that uh, gospel? I don't know, but I've, I've seen some studies and there are some good studies on collagen. Um, I don't know many people that are going to eat fish heads. So, you know, but there is some, there's a lot probably of, thought they were like candy. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, that's why there's a lot of talk right now about eating animals Nose to tail. Nor, Nor Norwegians probably thought a fish head was a great thing to snack on and crunchy. Could you? <laughs> yeah, right. It had it some texture. Else. I know it sounds gross to us, but that's probably what they ate. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, why would you, in a primal environment, why would you fillet a fish and just save the fillet fish or just the fillet? Why would you kill a turkey and just have the breast? 
Uh-uh, you're yep. going to eat everything. Right. Because you need every right. single piece of it. And so I, there was a lot of research. I, 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 I interchanged my, I was taking collagen for a long time and I think it helped with maybe some of my joint issues. I don't have a lot, by the way, it's like a twinging here or something like that, you know, but I don't, people think it's normal when you're 50 because I'm 50, just like you are. Oh, I, I, I hurt every day I get out of bed. Well, I don't, and you shouldn't, I don't. Yeah. No, just because you're 50 does not mean that you have to send all these memes on so Facebook. Like, here's what I look like when I get out of bed and you're shaped like your bed or your chair. No, <laughs> that, that is utterly ridiculous. 50 <laughs> is not old. 60 is not old. 70 is not old. I mean, none of these things are old. It's all in our mind. and We don't have to have chronic disease that actually, you know, um, takes away our quality of life. So those things are not normal. Don't normalize unhealthiness. And that's what we've done in our country. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So as we wind up this podcast, what's the last thing you want our listeners and viewers to know about protein? Well, it should be your number one thing that you think about for eating and consuming is getting your protein first. Everything else is secondary. I don't care if you're doing paleo. I don't care if you're an endurance athlete. I don't care if you're doing keto or carnivore. The number one thing that I believe that I found over the last 20 years that you should really be paying attention to, it's going to make you feel the best and look the best and be most optimal is make sure you get your protein first. And that's what you should be thinking about. Everything else is secondary or tertiary. Awesome. So, uh, Shane, if um, anybody wants, has some questions, how can people get a hold of you? Well, they can certainly go to my website at drsneedham.com. You can find my email there. You can find some of their information about my podcast and so on and so forth there. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on all podcast platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, YouTube. Yeah, there's a, there's my uh, website right there. And so go find me there and are on any of those and connect with me. I, 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 I love doing this and I love helping people. Okay. And I just want to, I want to inspire and make sure that people are educated and healthy for the future of all mankind. So, um, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, I was going to ask that question. What inspires you? What drives you? And you just answered that question. So that's your passion, I guess. Yeah, I really, really do. I want to inspire as many people a day that I can and hopefully just help from my story and hopefully guide them and coach them and, and learn from them as well. All right, on another topic, switching gears. So I heard you're writing a book. I am writing. Actually, I'm writing All right, two Tell books. us about your book. <laughs> well, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Oh, uh, I just did. No, no, that's good. I've already I've already talked about I've had some teasers out there and I'm I'm working on a book cover right now. and and but I'm I'm writing it right now. It's it's a slow process, but I'm gonna have two books. One of them is called um it's based on coaching and it's how to and it's something that I've coached and I feel that I will always be a coach. I might not be called a coach in a formal sense anymore as far as taking on that leadership role anymore. But I can tell you this, I coach my kids every day. And I don't mean I coach them in just making them do things they don't want to do. But I, I think a father especially should be a good coach to their children, should be a leader, should be an example, should be somebody who sometimes – Talks to them about very difficult things, even if they don't like to hear it. And you know what? They might be mad at you or upset at you. Wah, wah. That's your job <laughs> as a parent, okay? We're not their friends. 
You're not their friend. That is very unhealthy. You might be friendly to them, but so it's about coaching and it's about the four pillars. It's called fact actually. And it's F A C T F A C T. And it's those four things that when I was leading a team of wrestlers and, and coaching a club and coaching at the high school level, I just started watching about why, why this four-year-old wrestler, this five-year-old wrestler had a different experience than this 14-year-old wrestler. And how can we make sure we motivate both of them? So I studied teams. I studied books. I studied coaches. I studied Lombardi. I studied Wooden. I studied Gable. I studied Sanderson. I studied all these great coaches, wrestling, basketball, football, all these people, and, and took a little bit of both of them. And now I'm writing a book about it. And it's going to be a really easy read that will actually work not only in coaching athletes, but also I'm a business owner. And I've grown a, a, a very large business, one of the largest um, biological CROs, private biological CROs in the world. And so it will work for business teams as well. And then I'm going to remember another book as well. Um, some of it, you're going to be in a lot of this. It's just like, you know, I've lived the American dream like you, Sean. I am living the exact life that I wanted Absolutely, to live. Absolutely, man. Amen. I just am. And is that by design? Yeah. Absolutely. We can. I realized that some of the things that you and I wanted to do when we were teenagers, and there's some traumas involved in that of things that we couldn't control when we happened, when, when things happened, when we were teenagers. So we said, screw this. We want to make a life for ourselves where we're going to have the ultimate amount of liberty. And how do you do that? You set yourself up financially to do that. And so, you know, the whole nine to five working, punching a time clock, it just wasn't going to work for me. I wanted to start my own thing. So it's going to talk. It's, it's probably going to be the title is going to be never be outworked. I just let the cat out of the bag. And so right. never be outworked. And it's going to talk about my journey all the way from as a teenager and as a child to being a father, to being an entrepreneur to now owning one of the largest biological research labs in, in, in the actual world that's private. And it's a really, really cool story. And it's been, it's been a, an amazing story. And there's going to be, this is a, let's say, um, it's an edited but unabridged autobiography. I will go into details and some of the trials and tribulations, even recent, that will blow your mind. Blow I, won't your, be I won't be surprised. Uh, you've been through it. You've heard it. Right. You've heard the whole thing. And it will blow your mind. And I, I am super excited to get that word out there and just, again, to help other people. So you got to let me write a chapter in there or something or, uh, absolutely. Or the foreword or something. Yeah. You, you betcha. Yeah. I wish, as you know, you wrote your own book. Um, I wish it was faster. I've got some other priorities right now, but I'm working on it slowly, but surely slow process. It is a slow process and, yeah. and it gets, it gets okay. better every week. So yeah. And, so and enjoy the journey. Oh, I am. It's and uh, by the way, when the book is published, you're not done. You're just getting started as you know. Oh, I know that. My second <laughs> half of my life, I mean, I've got at least 50 years left. I'm 50 now. I hope to live to 100. And um, it's going to even be better than the first 50. I, I agree, it, buddy. It's not even close. I met a very special person yesterday who let the cat out of the bag that is helping you with the book. So Yeah. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she absolutely is. Crystal, go Crystal. She's amazing. And uh, yeah, we talk every single week. And it's, uh, it's really, really good. And it's, it's going to... Yeah. Some of the stories are, I mean, could probably be made into a Hollywood movie because they're so bizarre 
And so stay tuned. It is going to be good. It's yeah. going to be a tell all tale book um, that some people don't want published, but it's getting published. Yeah. You've talked to me about it. So, and good for you. Um, I know there's going to be some things from our childhood come up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, please reach out to me so I can fill in the details because I think sometimes you and I forget about it. We got to um, talk to each other about what really happened. Yeah. It's a good life. I live a very, very good life. I'm very blessed. Awesome. I love it, Shane. So thank you for being on our podcast. As always, I'm sure we'll have you on again. Thank you, listeners and viewers, for t- tuning in. Uh, tune in Thursday, talking about a disruptor in healthcare. We have a chiropractor, Dr. Brian Board, on, and he is going to talk about why the state of our healthcare system and why he chose chiropractic. So you don't want to miss out on that. We will be streaming live 8 to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, as always, with our midweek podcast. Not as always, but this week for sure. So you don't want to miss out on that. And thank you thank you for listening and watching Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you, Shane. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Janet. 